is found in Exodus chapter 20. And we are again looking for a second week at verses 8 through 11. I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to turn and read along as I read aloud from God's Word. Um, But prior to that, over the last several weeks, we have been working on uh, everybody learning what the Ten Commandments are using mnemonic device. The first commandment is one, and one rhymes with run. So you picture someone running and someone running before you. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Second commandment is two. What rhymes with two? Zoo. And what do you think of in the zoo, Neil? Beasties. Beasties in the zoo. You shall not make for yourself any graven images, nor shall you bow down to them, nor shall you worship them. Three rhymes with Debbie. (laughs) Last week I said, what do you say when a tree falls on your foot? And Debbie said, ouch. (laughs) The example for tree, three, tree, is if a tree falls on your foot, you remember what you are not to say. And this is, understandably, this is a simplistic way of memorizing the Ten Commandments. But if it works, it works. Three, tree, thou shalt not... Take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Excellent. Four rhymes with door. And you think of the church door. Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Okay, let's turn and read from God's word, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This past week, well, let's open with prayer. Dear Lord, we ask that as we look at this passage from your word again, and as we realize that there are many ways in which uh, our, our culture has, among the church and among the culture as well, has, has, has walked away from this commandment, Lord, we ask that you would apply it to our hearts in a fresh and new way. Not in a novel way, Lord, but in a way which is faithful and true to your word. I pray, Lord, that my words might be in keeping with your word, because your word alone is holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Gus visited me this past week, and he told me about a project that they have been working on at their home, which is to tile the back, part of the back porch or deck. And how many, how many tiles did you include in that drawing, Gus? 900 tiles. Now, Gus being an engineer, you understand how this works. There's a certain degree of perfectionism that is involved here. Those of you who are married to engineers or engineer types know exactly what we are talking about. Well, most people would say to the man who was doing the tiling, go to it. But what did you do, Gus? Gus made a drawing of every tile. 900 tiles. 
And he said that when the tiling man came in and proceeded to work on the job, he took a piece of tape, he took the drawing, and when he got a road done, he taped over the line in the drawing so as to make sure that he had everything exact and accurate in place. <clears throat> well, when they proceeded in this arrangement, Gus was telling me that the man said, well, it's going to take a little bit longer, and therefore it will cost a little bit more. That's all right. Let's do it the way it's laid out. And uh, so I made a point of going there yesterday, and, and, and they weren't home, but I looked over the wall to see the tiling job, and it's beautiful. Um, <clears throat> and Gus designed it. Uh, so make a point of going and seeing this tiling job. <clears throat> But the interesting thing to me was that how, how many days did it take him to do it? And did he give you any estimate as to how much less time it would have taken if he had just done it? Okay. But presumably a considerable amount less time and involving different colors and special insets and, and this sort of thing. Uh, when he was done, what did he say? And then what did he say about other people? Remember what, he, what she told me he said? He said he imagined when other people saw it that he would be getting a lot more work. Did he say that? Okay, he imagined when other people saw it he'd be getting a lot more work. <clears throat> now that to me is... In other words, they'd like what he had done and, and think that it was done in such a spectacular way and that he had taken the painstaking effort involved to put in the extra time to do the job right. Now, to me, that's a, in a microcosm, in a small manner, an illustration of what we're dealing with here when we look at the commandment that we are to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Because as we look at the Sabbath day, and as we look at what we are instructed regarding the Sabbath day in Scripture, we see this. We see that it can be a day that is just like every other day. We know that. We see that it, that it can be a day that we treat differently from every other day. We know that as well. And in one way or the other, we fall either on one side of the spectrum or the other or in the middle. It's a matter of how we spend our time. It's a matter of whether or not we're willing to look at those detailed instructions and say, I can do this, and how we do it along the way. We put the tape down along each line to make sure that each line is accurate, and we did each line accurately. Do we throw the tiles in and regret it when we're done? We choose whether to make the Sabbath a drudgery which we refuse to carry out despite the Lord's instructions, because it takes too much of our time away from other pursuits, it's too involved, it's too complicated, or we choose whether we will treat it as a labor of love into which we pour ourselves. Both now and in the future, we reap the benefits, regardless of how we treat the Sabbath, according to the way we respond to His commands regarding how we spend our time. What do we do with the detailed instructions? What do you call the Sabbath? Personal question. Do you call it an obsolete, out-of-day practice? Do you call it a burden? Do you call it a gift? <clears throat> Let me read to you, as I did this past week, this time from another article my father wrote some years ago. <clears throat> this article includes a short reference to the Sabbath. He wrote this. 
language changes. Today's understandable words will be tomorrow's quaint archaisms. And yesterday's clear expressions seem old-fashioned and outmoded today. As an example, it is probable that a majority of people in the United States, for that matter the world, would consider the statement as American as McDonald's to be clear, and the statement as American as apple pie obsolete, an archaism, out of date. The church is no exception. Yesterday's words and the ideas they represent pass out of vogue. They become archaic and out of date. They are replaced with new and different concepts. Here are some archaisms of biblical and theological derivation, familiar to past generations of Christians, words that seem to have been discarded or replaced by new words and the ideas they represent. And so the article goes into definition of various and sundry things that have been outdated in the church and among Christians. Then he gets to this one, the word Sunday. Quote, the first day of the week, the Christian analog of the Jewish Sabbath. That definition is from Webster's. Biblical usage. This is a quote from Isaiah 58, 13 and 14, which is printed in your insert. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Earlier in the century, the article, my father's article continues, earlier in the century, when American Christians worked six days a week, eight to ten hours each day, they set apart one day, Sunday, for God. Today, the Christian Sabbath, or Lord's Day, is an archaic concept, probably because there are too many things to do to set one day apart for God in deeds of mercy. So let's continue what we began last week in looking at this commandment. But instead of doing as we did last week in investigating all the cultural and personal baggage that we bring into this command, I find this command to be somewhat unique among the commands. It's the only command that that Christians today would have any tendency to say is no longer applicable. And so that's why I'm going into it at length and started out with how our culture treats it, how the Christian church treats it, what are the proof texts that are used to say that the New Testament throughout Sabbath observance is a principle. <clears throat> but today, instead of looking at the cultural baggage, which we hopefully cleared out last week, <clears throat> let us look specifically at this fourth commandment itself to see what the Lord has to tell us about the Sabbath. And so we see today instructions regarding the Sabbath. The first instruction that we have here, and if you will look at the, um, the uh, I believe it's at the bottom of your bulletin, um, where the verse is printed. You can follow along pretty well. I haven't printed the whole thing there, but it's printed in your insert. You see that the first part of the instruction is this. Remember the Sabbath. We are to be involved in remembering the Sabbath. What does it involve to remember something? It involves intentional planning. It takes work to remember. Remembering something does not happen without effort. I have a Casio watch, which I like to wear, and it has various and sundry reminders, and that's the reason I like it. Because you can set it as a countdown timer for anything up to 24 hours, 
You can set it for a stopwatch. You can set it for a... There are a dime a dozen, probably. All of you have one, just like it. You can set the time to go off at a specific time for a buzzer. And there's even a little square in it. If you hold on one button long enough, a little thing pops up in that one thing and starts flashing on and off at you. And it says R-E-M. And then it flashes on and off. It's supposed to be your reminder button. (laughs) And when you look at your watch and you see that thing flashing, it says... Oh, yeah, there was something I'm supposed to remember. I can't forget. I can't remember. What was it? <laughs> and this past week, I accidentally pressed, or probably one of the girls pressed the button and, and got that thing going, and I looked at it and said, what in the world is that thing going for? It reminded me of nothing. This watch, our calendars, our day timers, all of these things are recognizing the fact that to remember requires work. If you do not work at it, you will not remember it. And so we recognize that if we are to remember the Sabbath day, we cannot come down to Sunday, the Lord's Day, and say, Oh yeah, today is Sunday. I am going to honor this day today. Without preparation, it will not be honored. Sandy and I, one of the things that was unusual in seminary was a seminary couple... um, He had been a professor at Gordon-Conwell for a number of years, and they frequently invited people from their church over for dinner. The unusual thing when you got to their house on Sunday was that the dinner was already sitting there on the counter. There were a few things they had left to do, but what this couple did, and part of the way in which they remembered this day to make it a special day, was when they had dinner, when they were preparing dinner for, for Sunday, they got it done ahead of time. And I don't mean before church. I mean, it was ready the day before. And that was unusual to us. It's not a practice that we have established. But this was their way of saying, tomorrow is the Sabbath. Tomorrow is the day in which the Lord has given us specific instructions. And therefore, we are going to be ready for it. One of the ways in which I seek to remember the Sabbath is by seeing that my cars have gas on Saturday. Because I don't want to go to the gas station on Sunday unless I'm traveling. Um, But these kinds of things involve work. They involve thinking about it. They involve planning. And so as you and I look at this instruction that we are to remember the Sabbath day, we must remember that. You can't come to the Sabbath day without thinking about it ahead of time and being ready for it. If you are not ready for it, it will not be a special day. Think about birthdays. Think about anniversaries. Which ones are the best ones? Are they the ones that you forgot until the day came? You said, oh, no. I'm glad I remembered today at least. No. The best ones are the ones... Now, I'm speaking of celebrating it for someone else. You usually don't forget your own birthday or anniversary, I don't think. The best ones are the ones where you thought about it and you got ready for it, It, just like Christmas. You feel the best, you're the most excited and enthused about it when you have been remembering it, and so that when it comes and draws near, you are well prepared for it. And so whatever else we're going to do about the Sabbath, we must start by remembering it.
That may require planning every day of the week prior to Sunday. What, are, what else? What other instructions are we given with regard to the Sabbath? Incidentally, um, I'm not going to go into this in detail, but on the, the part that I copied from a book from Richard Baxter's A Christian Directory has a number of practical suggestions regarding observance of the Sabbath. And a lot of the things involved in here are those things that speak specifically to remembering. In our house, in order to remember the Sabbath day, what it means is, girls, you get a bath on Saturday night. Now, they get baths many other nights of the week as well. But some days you can say, well, don't take a bath tonight. You'll take one tomorrow morning. On Sunday morning, there's enough going on without baths going on. That's one of the... Well, (laughs) I get a bath on Sunday (laughs) morning. But the girls don't have to. So we prepare them by remembering to do that on Saturday night. This has specific and practical suggestions. What else are we instructed regarding the Sabbath? That this remembering is for a purpose. And that purpose is that Sunday, the Sabbath day, the believer's Sabbath day, is to be kept holy. This means that it is to be distinct, set apart to the Lord. It's to be for honoring Him. You all are getting a U-Haul and bringing some things down. Probably most all of us can remember at one time or another a move. Can you remember? Just let me ask a question. What did you put in your car? Someone volunteer. If you took a truck or a trailer and your car, what did you put in your car? Anyone. Okay, an atlas. <laughs> it's good. Good. Okay. What else? Okay. Like what? Can you remember? I think we've put what? Okay, plants. You good? Okay. That you had to be able to get at during the trip, right? And it, whether it was hot or cold, summer or winter. What other things? Things that are more valuable, so that you can keep an eye on or have them near hand. Okay. The fragile things you didn't want in the truck, Jerry, why didn't you want them in the truck? Say it wasn't plants. I'll say it was plants. Why'd you want them in the truck? I mean, in the car. So you could take care of them. Why'd you want your valuable things in the car? Okay. Because in a truck, what happens? <laughs> those boxes start shifting around and those heavy things start moving around. And before you know it, if it wasn't packed well, boom! <laughs> it all comes tumbling down. You can think of the same thing with regard to remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There's a parallel relationship. Those things you put in the car are those things. You have to put certain things in the car in order to get there correctly, don't you? Okay, good. The things you put in the car as well because you want to be able to keep an eye on them, because you want to keep them close at hand, because they are useful to you, because you're just not willing to put them in the truck. You don't know who's going to be in the truck. You don't know what's going to happen in the truck. There, there you have it. 
And so as we look at the Sabbath day and we see that it's to be distinct, set apart to the Lord, we can think of it as those things that we put in the car. This day should be treated as special, precious, distinct, honored, just as those precious things that are valued by us in moving are taken in the car rather than stashed away with all the rest of the things in the truck. Because we want them close at hand where we can keep an eye on them so that they are not stolen, so that they are not smashed. And so we are to honor and to keep this holy day holy, not just because we value this day, but because God has given it to us. That makes it precious. In keeping it holy, we are to treat it in a way that is different from the world treats it. That is a distinction that's given us throughout Scripture. Holy means that it's treated differently than the world treats it. This day is not to be corrupted. The world should be able to observe when it looks at believers that we have a different attitude about this day because it is God's gift to us. It truly honors him, for instance, when those of you who have businesses refrain from working on the Lord's day. And we must not buy into Satan's lies about this day which cause us, incomprehensible as it may seem, to envy the world its use of this day for any and every purpose and occupation. Because we are the ones who have been given the gift. We have that precious gift. We know what that precious gift is all about. Why in the world then would we envy those who have not been given this gift and do not know that it has been given them for their blessing? We are to treat it in treating it holy as different from the other six days. Different from the other days. Now we see further in our instructions that it is to be one day out of seven. One day out of seven. Sabbath principle. I remember a number of years ago hearing a friend express the first time that I had heard the view expressed that we could honor any period on any day as our Lord's Day for rest and devotion to the Lord. It all sounded quite convenient to me. It sounded, in truth, as though I was in the driver's seat. In other words, I'm the one who establishes it. The Lord has just said, here's a good idea. Take with it and do with it however it seems best to be a blessing to you. But if as we are examining the commandment, there is still a basis for Sabbath observance, then we cannot ignore the fact that the Lord didn't give us carte blanche in our choice of the day we observed as a Sabbath, nor in the manner of how much time we spent observing Sabbath rest. Here in this commandment, we see a specific day in a specific amount of time. Now, Many of you have been thinking about this whole thing all along. Sabbath, seventh day of the week, Saturday. Correct. The New Testament church made it very clear in their observance of what they called the Lord's Day that they had changed it from being the day on which the Lord rested from his work to being the day on which the Lord rose from the dead. And so that is why we have the Sabbath principle applied to Sunday, the Lord's Day, Resurrection Day, rather than the Sabbath day. What this means is that it's not supposed to be any day we choose, that it's not supposed to be any time period we choose, but instead a specific day and a specific period. Now this makes all makes a great deal of sense. If you're setting up a meeting, how do you do it? You don't say to people, okay folks, come when you will. You pick the time, Some people are night owls. They'll surprise you at 2 o'clock in the morning. 
Some people will come without warning. Some people won't come. That's always the way it is. But when God is telling us, set one day specifically aside to honor me, part of what he's talking about, and we see it throughout Scripture, is that part of the way the people honor him is by giving attention to his word and to their relationship with him as we are doing now. And so the Lord didn't say, okay, folks, you just do your thing, and some of you get together on this time and period. And, of course, he didn't ordain 10.30 or 11 o'clock on Sunday morning for this. The part of the way and the reason for his doing this, I believe, is so that we would have a unity of purpose. One of us wouldn't try to establish one day and another one another day. We move further to see that he has given us prohibitions against work. Prohibitions against work. Well, what is work? Is that a valid question? Some people ask this question from genuine hearts. Other people ask this question, what is work? In the same way that Herod said, what is truth? The purpose behind their asking what is work is not to see what it means to obey, but to see what it means to slide out from under the commandment. How can I get away with not doing what the Lord commands? And that is where the Lord will test your and my hearts as we examine this command together. If we are seeking to slide out from under his desire to be Lord and master of our lives, the blessing will not be there. However, if in genuine and sincere hearts we look to him and ask him to instruct us so that we might grow in grace and in obedience, the blessing will always be there. In either case, the meaning, what is work, is the same. Let us say that work for the purpose mentioned here is is any labor that furthers our earthly estate. Any labor that furthers our earthly estate. The Westminster Confession of the 1600s, written by Anglican church leaders soon adopted by other Protestant and Reformed churches throughout Great Britain and abroad, says this, The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days. And it goes on to speak further. It further states what is forbidden in the fourth commandment in question 61. The fourth commandment forbiddeth the omission or careless performance of the duties required, the profaning the day by idleness or doing that which is in itself sinful or by unnecessary thoughts, words, or works about our worldly employments or recreations. I like that definition. Work. Any labor that furthers our earthly estate that is not necessary. Isaiah 58, 13 says this, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, what do I please? The question is, what does God please? That is where we find the opposite to the work that is forbidden here. What is not work? Question 60 of the Westminster Confession says, Spending, this is a continuation of this, spending the whole time in the public and private exercise of God's worship, except so much as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. And so we again find that the reverse of work is those activities which further our heavenly estate. Those are the things that we are being commanded to do here. Those things that are necessities, those things that further our heavenly estate. 
works of mercy for other people, obviously being included in that. In making the day a day set apart for holy occupations, we are being told to devote ourselves to those things which honor and glorify God and further our relationship with Him and the relationship of others to Him. We find finally, not just a prohibition against our work, it says, neither must you work. We find here, and I'm going to abbreviate this greatly, a prohibition against allowing others to work. I would call this the principle of influence enjoined. In other words, God is promoting the principle of our influencing others by the authority that we have in whatever situation we are in. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. And in order to make us see that this is not a small sort of thing, let me explain what I learned this past week. Within your gates, what does it mean? You and I think, naturally, it means everybody at my home. I'm to make sure that my influence extends to the people in my home. Gates there means city gates. City gates. Which extends our influence a lot farther than just to our very own homes. And so I believe what we see here is that Christians, we oftentimes are afraid to extend our influence because in the public sphere today, we are getting knocked down again and again and again. And so we're gun shy. We say, I'm not going to use my influence. The fact that I do what is right is enough. The fact that other people do what they please, that has nothing to do with me. This is promoting the principle of influence. I know we do not live in a Christian culture or a Christian country. But what God is telling us here is in so much as it is in your or my power to enable or keep someone to help others observe the Sabbath and make it a day of rest and of joy, we must do so. William Wilberforce in Great Britain is an example of a man who used his influence over the course of his life The fact that he believed as a Christian that slavery needed to be abolished. And finally he succeeded within several weeks of his death in getting it abolished in Great Britain. There's a man who used his influence to promote God's principles and God's purposes. You and I need to be considering this, not only with regard to the Sabbath, but beginning there because that is what we are looking at. God teaches us. We have a responsibility not just to see that we do what is right, but to see that those under our authority... Business owners, you business owners, you have a responsibility to those people you employ. That's what it's speaking of here. Your manservant, your maidservant. They're not actually your servants, but they are employed by you, therefore they are under your authority. You have a responsibility to see that your influence extends to them and protects them from disobedience against God and gives them on the other side the blessing of obeying God. So finally... What I would say with regard to this is this. That the world is blessed when people follow God's principles, even if they do not know God. That is part of why our culture, our civilization, is such a place of freedom as it is. Because Christians have promoted, because of their influence, that other people follow God's moral and righteous laws. We need to see that with regard to the Sabbath, this is something we promote. Let us pray. 
To Lord, we ask that you would teach us your principles clearly, that we might follow you with joy, reap the many blessings. We pray this, Lord, because we desire to obey you. We know that you bless those who follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.